Welcome to Journey to Esquire, the podcast. I'm Jocelyn Hardrick, founder and president of Diversity Access Pipeline, Inc., the company behind this podcast and other great programs. Journey to Esquire Scholarship and Leadership Program provides $2,000 cash scholarships to third-year law students and internships to second-year law students, along with leadership, training, and mentors. Journey to Esquire, the blog, provides insightful articles to help navigate you through law school and beyond. Find out more on our website, www.journeytoesquire.com. Hey, have you heard about Anchor? It's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that let you record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, just like I'm doing now. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so you can hear it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Hi, it's Jocelyn Hardrick, founder of Diversity Access Pipeline, Inc., the nonprofit organization behind this podcast, Journey to Esquire, the podcast, and other great programs like Journey to Esquire, Scholarship Leadership Program, and Journey to Esquire, the blog. I'm so excited today to pass the mic to two guests. We're doing a special. We have a double feature. First, we're passing the mic to Marisol Ruiz, who is an associate at McIntyre Thanacetus, and she's also an adjunct professor at WMU Cooley teaching dependency. She does complex commercial litigation where her practice consists of representation of community associations. I'm very familiar with that. Real estate, family law, business litigation, and bankruptcy. Areas of law that are probably gonna get really hot in the next few years given everything that's going on. Marisol is a Tampa native and a double gator. And so she got her um, JD and her BA in anthropology from the University of Florida. And we are also passing the mic to Ben Fletcher. He is an associate at Gunster, and he's part of the business litigation practices where he focuses on business torts and breach of contract disputes at the federal, state, and local levels. And he also does some things with real estate, fraudulent transfers and bankruptcy, public record disclosures, and lots of different interesting areas of law. He went to University of Florida and got his JD and graduated from the University of Connecticut with a bachelor's in political science. Welcome, you two. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So let's get into why we're here today. We want to hear about your journey to Esquire. So let's first talk about why you decided to become a lawyer. Marisol? So I decided to become a lawyer, I would say several reasons. One, I really wanted to genuinely help people. And I know that probably sounds cliche because a lot of people say, oh, I want to, you know, help the world or change the world. But that is honestly why I became a lawyer. I thought that this career really, you know, allows you to help others. And in addition, when I was younger, I would watch a lot of Law and Order SVU. So it was cool to see the television and the courtroom scene and, you know, how the lawyers kind of function and speak to the jury. And then now that I'm in the profession, I realize it's a lot different than that. But, um, you know, I still enjoy it. And that's really my primary goal is honestly to help others. And though sometimes through my particular practice area, it might not be outwardly helping people, but I also volunteer. So it allows me to kind of have that balance. 
You know, it's funny. I recently saw a meme on Facebook that said Law and Order SVU is the new Matlock because I grew up watching reruns of Matlock <laughs> with my mom. And so now younger attorneys are saying, yeah, Law and Order SVU has been on over 20 years now. And so I that's, watch every that's, episode. Yeah, see, and I was like that with like Matlock and Perry Mason. And so I'm like, wow, the generations have really, you know, we've passed the mantle. <laughs> so I've never watched Matlock, but I have watched Law and Order SVU. Yeah, you gotta you gotta search for Matlock. You might have to like go on YouTube or go to one of the like local channels that just needs okay. to fill up their time for older uh, people okay. like myself and my mom. Um, so Ben, what's your story? So my purpose was a, similar to Marisol's. Um, when I finished college, I decided to join a nonprofit called City Year. And I went into the Bronx and started teaching middle school students. Typically, it's a one-year program, but I liked it a lot, did it for three years. And I just learned a lot about a world that was very different from my own. And I learned a lot about the education system and how different it can be in different geographic regions. And I decided I didn't want to be a teacher. That was something I was considering, but I said, I want to continue to work in the education field, possibly work with kids. I loved working with young people um, and also have a positive impact in the work that I do. And so did a little research, talked to people and I decided to go to law school. Um, I am from Connecticut. So I went to University of Connecticut for undergrad, but um, ended up down at the University of Florida because my entire family is originally from down here. My mom is from Jacksonville. My dad's from Miami. So we just sort of grew up coming down here all the time. Um, got into UF law, had never been there, visited it one day, was walking around. There was nobody there when I visited it. It was closed, actually. There were no tours. There was nothing. Uh, but I met a couple random people and I just introduced myself and asked them some questions. And I just had, I just had a really good feeling about it. So I decided to go there. Um, and we went, you know, the story continued from there. I just, I learned a lot about the different aspects of law. Um, and my entire purpose in law school was to eventually someday come back to, um, either working with young people, working in education policy on a little bit of a bigger scale than working in, in one school only. Um, what I do now, I'm in private practice. I do, I, you mentioned it at the top, um, business litigation, various disputes with corporate clients. Um, and I do enjoy what I do. Um, but I think when you come out of law school, it's good to start somewhere to learn how to be an attorney, um, learn from really seasoned litigators in my, in my case, and start to, to build mentors and, and see where your path can take you. So I'm not sure what the future holds, but, um, my, my, uh, my in initial purpose for going to law school is still there. And I still have, um, I still have big plans for what I, what I see myself doing in the future. Oh, that's a great story. So now we get the ties from Connecticut into Florida. And yeah, you know, I'm from New York too. I also taught in the Bronx. I was in Teacher America. So very similar backgrounds, wanting to help students, but didn't want to ultimately be elementary school teacher. And now I'm e-learning, so wow. <laughs> The training you, pays off. <laughs> can I ask you what school you were at? Hmm? What can I ask you what school you taught at? Uh Jonathan D. Hyatt Elementary School, IS um uh 38. Yeah, I can't remember, but Jonathan D. Hyatt Elementary was in is the very um the 138th Street in the Bronx. Okay, yeah. Yeah. 
So um, it's just very interesting. It's such a small world, right? And uh, <laughs> so I was similar. I, I kind of decided I want to be a teacher, even though now I'm a professor. It's kind of like being a teacher. But young folks, I'm going to keep to the professionals <laughs> who are trained to deal with the younger folks, because that is a very special skill, as I'm sure you know, Ben, dealing with middle school students. Definitely. So now let's go a little back in time and we'll have Ben start and tell us about your law school application process. You touched on it a little bit because you were in Connecticut, you had family here in Florida. Did you apply to more than one school and how did you make that decision? I did. I applied to uh, maybe four or five. I didn't apply to that many. I wasn't sure that I was going to go to law school um, when I ended up going. I, like I said, I was in my nonprofit, did one year, and then you sort of re-sign after, you know, after each year. So I did did it again for a second year, did it again for a third year. And I was thinking maybe I'll, I'll keep doing this for a few more years, but let me start applying to law schools and see where I'm at and how competitive I am. Um, so I applied to some in the Northeast and then a couple down here in Florida. Um, and Florida, I think was pretty quick. And that's when I flew down to visit to just to really make it real for myself. And that I had a really good really good vibe when I visited Gainesville. It, I felt like I could see myself being there for three years. Um, and so I just just chose UF and that was it. Um, it wasn't really like I was balancing two or three and I was, you know, I applied to 30 places. It wasn't like that. Um, and so, yeah, it happened pretty quickly and, and I was very happy with my decision. And Marisol, you ended up in the same place, but what was your process like to get there? So I actually graduated undergrad a year ahead of time. And I, at the moment, I 100% knew I wanted to go to law school. That's always been my goal. And so what I did was apply to several schools. And I was actually going to start at the University of Texas. I had signed, I had gotten an apartment, everything. And um, I was driving over there and unfortunately got into a car accident. And so it kind of, everything was okay, but I think it made me rethink things because I was so away from my friends and family and home. So I really took the time and discussed it with several individuals. And I thought, well, that would have been the year that I graduated early, so I still would have been an undergrad at UF. So instead, I decided to come back to Tampa and then just work a little bit and then just take the time to maybe breathe. And so then I applied again. And I applied to FSU and Stetson, and I was in between Stetson and UF. I loved the Stetson campus. I thought it was beautiful. And I think their program is also a great program as well. So I think I discarded FSU because of my loyalties to UF. So I was in between those, and I went back to Gainesville. And when I was there, it just felt you know, I was already used to it. So I felt comfortable. And so I decided Stetson was also a little too close to home. I wanted to venture back out. And so I ended up, you know, just heading, going to UF and starting there. I'd already gotten accepted and it was familiar to me. So I was happy. I'm happy to be a double gator and it's a great experience. It's, it's different than Tampa. I'm much so like a city person. So Gainesville to me sometimes did feel like the middle of nowhere, but now they've built a lot more things. So I have actually several 
young people that I mentor and they recently got into UF. So I was up there and I just was fascinated with everything else that they had built compared to even when I was there. So I'm very happy with my decision. And I, if I had to do it all over again, I would have done the exact same thing. Nice. So there's a lot of things students have to consider when they're deciding what's, what school to go to. And, you know, I came from New York and came to Tallahassee. That was a big culture shock, but I, I had family in the Tampa Bay area. I ultimately met my um, husband, who the, the man who would become my husband. And so I was able to drive home every other weekend, even though it was a four and a half hour drive, there was still someone close by. So I get that whole, you know, you're in Texas and you're like, I have no one out here. And law school is so stressful. So if going somewhere familiar is something you're interested in, I suggest doing that because there'll be other stressors. <laughs> that make it hard, that makes it challenging, and um, there'll be ample opportunities to meet people from all over the country, as we just demonstrated, because we all have ties one way or another. So now you two are in law school. Um, talk about, you know, whether or not you enjoyed it. Some people do, some people don't. What do you think, Marisol? Law school was okay. It was not undergrad, but I think in law school, I just had other abilities. So I, at the time, was actually commuting from Gainesville to Tampa. And it may not seem like a lot, but two hours is, you know, takes up a lot, a lot of your day. So, you know, I would just get up in the morning, go to Gainesville, and then after class, I would go back to Tampa. So I don't know that I had the traditional law school experience. And so I liked it, but I just felt that it was you know, more so of something that I needed to get done. I really didn't kind of venture out and meet a lot of people. The people that I did meet, I do stay in contact with, but I think my experience was just a little different. So I didn't, also I don't drink. So I know those, um, you know, kind of events where you meet people. I was more so focused on getting there, doing the work and then coming back to Tampa. So so that was my overall experience. Wasn't bad, it was okay, but that was that was basically the overall gist of it. Okay, and Ben, what was your experience like? And then I guess you can tell us how you two ended up meeting and becoming friends and confidants and encouraging one another. Yeah, sure. Um, I, I, I really did love law school. And anybody who asks me that, I always say I really had a, a much more positive experience in law school than I did in undergrad, which I enjoyed, but I just, I had grown up a lot and I had worked for three years and I really believed in my education in law school. Um, and my law school was just, I felt it was a very supportive environment. Um, I got involved in every, everything I could get involved with organizations, you know, um, meeting people, talking to the professors. I think it was just because I was committed to doing well and, you know, getting the most out of the education. When you're spending so much money for this education, it's easy to, to, to realize that you need to commit yourself to it, make it your number one priority, treat it like a job, um, which is what I did. So I, I really, I really love law school. Obviously it's very stressful at times, but as long as you have that final goal in mind and that reason why you're there, uh, it, it all makes sense. And, and Marisol was actually, um, one of the teaching assistants in my first year legal writing class. Uh, so I think we initially met then, but then we were in uh, trial practice, maybe a year or two later together. Um, so we got closer then, and then she graduated a year ahead of me. 
and then I graduated. And I just think we just connected well uh, in terms of talking about what it means to be a first year lawyer. You know, you, it, you need to have someone who you can call and ask those stupid questions. Hopefully that person is in, you know, in your office or, you know, maybe like a family member or a friend. Marisol and I, I think we, we do that for each other where I can call her and say, hey, I need to draft this motion. Um, can you take a look or can you, you know, can you send me an example of something that, that you've done before? Super important to have someone like that um, in the practice of law as a first or second year. And so, and we, we've become good friends. So I think, uh, I think we'll, we'll keep, keep taking care of each other. Yeah, so when Marisol and I first spoke, it was she was reaching out to me as a professor trying to just get some tips. The same concept, you know, the first time you do something, it's always nice to have someone just kind of like you said, where do I go for X? <laughs> you know, it's like something simple like, how do I set up the class again? Especially now we're all online. It's a whole new world for even seasoned professors. And seasoned lawyers are navigating all this new technology. So um, brand new lawyers have the leg up on that if they are familiar with it, but definitely you cannot beat someone who's already done it when it comes to writing motions, understanding how a rule applies in a certain court, things like that. So it's awesome that you two have each other for that. And it's awesome that we get to do this podcast together because it's a first for me. So now let's go into the job search. You two have you know, apparently landed <laughs> in nice places, nice firms with great reputations doing um, the great kind of work that you can do early on as an attorney to really build up your portfolio and your experience. But let's go back to when you first started looking for a job when you're in law school. So would you like to start then? Sure. Um, well, um, I guess I get to my first summer, I had an internship at the U.S. Attorney's Office in Tampa, where, where you guys are, because um, my aunt actually works at the U.S. Attorney's Office. And that's why I learned a lot about criminal law, prosecution, public interest work, um, you know, really top caliber prosecutors. Um, and I, I was in court a lot, just observing, learning a lot. Um, and then my second summer, I, they, I'm sure a lot of the schools of your listeners are gonna know what OCIs are. On-campus interviews where the law firms come to your school, and interview the students. And so I had a couple of OCIs and one of them was with Gunster, um, which is a law firm in Florida. They have 13 offices around the state, um, pretty big. Um, had a good interview, connected, and uh, ended up coming down to visit the office. Um, things just went well and I ended up having a summer internship during my second summer in West Palm Beach where I am now. Um, the summer was great. You know, you're not, you're working hard, but the priority is really your, the impression that you make to the partners. Do you seem like you're a trustworthy person? Can I, can they see you coming in every day and being hardworking and being, you know, someone who's committed and trustworthy, you know, handling um, fairly big tasks. Um, it was a good summer. I got an offer at the end of the summer and then I came back right after uh, after the um, bar exam. And so I, I'm really grateful for my experience because a lot of my friends didn't have it go quite that easily. Um, uh, you know, so you, a lot of people are weighing different things and locate uh, One of the challenges for me was this location, honestly, because I, I don't have any ties to West Palm Beach and I didn't, 
you know, I didn't ultimately want to end up in West Palm Beach. Um, but as it happens, I really enjoy it here. And, you know, I think, I think if I were to give some advice to, to someone starting out, especially these days uh, with all the uncertainty, um, if you get an opportunity, it's not necessarily in your hometown or it's not necessarily the exact opportunity that you want, have an open mind and maybe give it a shot because I, you know, I didn't want to be here uh, necessarily in this location. Um, I have family in Jacksonville and I have family in other places, but I did it and I, I fell in love with the location and I fell in love with the people in the office that I work with. Um, so, you know, I would say stay open-minded and um, hopefully things will work out. Yeah, and you're our second Dunkster interview. We um, interviewed John Shafino, who is oh, one John of your Shafino. partners. Yeah, he's my mentor. He's a big fan of the program. And so, um, and his brother, Bill Shafino, very well known in Tampa and joined Gunster, what was it last year, I guess? Yeah, they, 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 yeah. they both came in together maybe a year ago, maybe a little more, yeah. Yeah, a little over a year. And mm -hmm. so we're excited to have another Gunster person and um, give you all a shout out. <laughs> One of our goals for the program is um, getting law students into law, big law firms and understanding like you, what you have described, the um, mentorship, the experience, the things you're going to learn from watching people who do this stuff really well, so that you can go on and do whatever else you, you want to do and you take those skills with you. And so that's part of why we love interviewing people who are at big law firms and talk about how you get into those positions. So Marisol, how was your um, job search right after law school? So it was fine. Um, I agree with what Ben just said as far as staying open-minded. I think looking back, I was probably a little closed-minded only because I was born and raised in Tampa and I've always said I never wanted to leave Tampa. And so I clerked for a couple of larger firms when I was in law school. And so when I was doing OCIs, I had several offers, but some of the offers were in other offices. And that's just where the need was. And to me, it was really important to stay in Tampa. I could not see myself honestly living anywhere else. So I took that in mind. And when I was in law school, I reached out to some of the mentors that are in the community. And the last year I participated in a juvenile dependency and delinquency clinic. And I loved it. It was honestly a wonderful experience. I loved everything about it. And so when I was talking to one of my mentors, she told me, you know, since you like that so much and you've already done the big law, maybe try starting at a smaller practice to see if you would like that better. And then you, you can kind of balance it out and see if later on you want to go to another big firm or if you want to stay and kind of do the smaller to mid-size route. So she recommended family law. And now I know that family law is very different than juvenile delinquency and dependency. But at the time that you're a law student, you know, you don't really know. You just want to learn. You want to get the experience. And so I started going with her to a lot of the HCBA luncheons. And so I met several attorneys. And in this particular occasion, I was trying to balance out two offers, one that was not in Tampa and that one that was, but I was really unsure of. So I, when I was sitting down at the HCBA luncheon, I ended up meeting people that only practice family law at a firm in Tampa. And so they asked me, you know, what are you doing after the luncheon? And I said, well, I have to drive back to Gainesville. And they said, hey, swing by the office. So I swung by the office and they made me an offer. 
And so I saw it as I'm a big believer in signs and that everything happens for reasons. So I saw that as a sign and I went back to Gainesville and I was really happy about that. And so I turned down the other offers and that's kind of the transition from law school. I ended up starting actually a little before I graduated law school, I started at that particular firm and it was an interesting experience. So I think family law is great. It teaches you how to know people and how to interact with people, especially when they are at their worst, because that's truly who you see. You see extremely educated, successful people, but at their worst. So I think that has really taught me the skill set to navigate, you know, what, what I do now, as far as when I pick up the phone and talk to any client. So I thought that that was an important just lesson for me to learn. And so it was great overall, but I agree with Ben as far as staying open-minded. So I do think in that particular occasion, I might have done a little bit more research in general and just kind of weighed the pros and cons of all the offers. And if one meant that I wasn't going to be in Tampa, it didn't mean that I could never return to Tampa. And I think when you're a law student, you just sometimes you have narrow tunnel vision and you know, this is what I want. And you know, you don't really seek out other opportunities. So my advice would be to do as much research, but also to network in the community. I think a lot of law students think that a lot of these networking events are only for lawyers and judges. And that's not true. I started going to several events when I was still in law school and I met a lot of people that now I consider my mentors. So I would definitely recommend just testing the waters. If you have an offer, reach out to some of the summers or some of the clerks, younger associates that work there. Try to figure out what it's like, the practice group, the personalities, the type of work, the billable hours. Just in general, really learn the people before you say yes to an offer. That's probably the, the best advice that I could give somebody. That's great, Marisol. You covered the next two questions all together too. <laughs> So I just want to make one point. HCBA is the Hillsborough County Bar Association, and that is the largest voluntary bar association in Tampa Bay. They have over 4,000 attorneys. I'm a member as well, and they have been one of the supporters of this program, so we're big fans of HCBA. And I agree, one of the things we do is bring students to these events, encourage them to attend so that they can have that networking. And we're going to circle back to the HCBA when we talk about the diversity portion of our talk. But let's go to Ben and see if you can tell us a little bit about how you ended up choosing your area of practice and what advice you'd have for new and um, for students considering entering law school or the practice of law. Okay, yeah, um, so my practice uh, is litigation, business litigation. So um, that covers a lot of different things. It's really um, the needs of the firm at that time. Generally, I do uh, real estate litigation. Our clients are trying to develop some property or trying to uh, obtain permits, some development, and there's lots of legal issues that come up with that. Um, I handle bankruptcy cases, fraudulent transfer cases, uh, eminent domain cases. Um, you know, when you're a first or second, third, fourth even year attorney, sometimes you're just really, your client is your partner or the shareholder or the senior associate, whoever, you, you know, whoever you're working under. Um, so whatever sort of cases that the partners I work with get, then that's what I'm doing. But the reason I was drawn to litigation is because uh, um, in law school, they had a mock trial team 
and also a class called trial practice. And I had no experience with any of that kind of stuff before law school. And I said, like I told you earlier, I, I wanted to try everything and really enjoyed the mock trial stuff. The, the whole, the teamwork, the preparation, the stress, the excitement of being in court, everything about it. I loved it. And um, that's really, that's part of litigation. Um, there's, there's more corporate litigation where most of what you're doing is discovery, um, sort of behind the scenes work. But um, really the, the, the trial team is what sparked my interest in litigation. And, and that is part of what we do and part of what I do now. Um, as far as uh, advice for people considering law school, um, I would say don't rush. I think I, um, I'm glad I worked after college. I'm glad I worked for three years and did, and then and now I'm pretty much doing something totally different than what I did after college. And I was basically a teacher, inner city school teacher. Now I'm a, a corporate litigator. Um, so I would just urge people who are considering law school to um, maybe get some experience out in the field. Um, there's nothing wrong with transitioning straight from college to law school. Most people do that. And if you know that's what you wanna do, then absolutely. But also understand that when you get into law school, you're gonna learn about 10 million different things that you could probably never heard of that might spark your interest. So I'm sure there's people who come into law school and they, they know they wanna be a criminal defense lawyer. They have the right, they have that idealistic mindset and they know what they need to do to get to that, that role. Um, and they should shoot for that. But along the way, you might learn, you know, I remember taking contracts and actually kind of liking it. I, I thought it would be super boring, but con I loved contracts and I don't know, I'm not ashamed of it, but maybe you'll, you'll go to law school and learn about something that you didn't know before and maybe be interested by it. So definitely have a reason for going to law school, have, have a goal and have a purpose for that because it can be very expensive and very time consuming and very stressful. But, um, but again, be open-minded and uh, don't rush. Take your time, make sure that that's what you wanna do. And, and I, I would uh, encourage people to get work experience first. Yeah, that's great advice. I had four years between undergrad and law school. I taught, but also did a few other things. <laughs> I worked in banking, finance, did all this other stuff. And um, I wanted to be a criminal defense attorney. It's never happened. So now I just teach criminal law. <laughs> that's my big joke now because um, for whatever reason, I could never quite get a criminal law job, but you never know. Some, like Marisol said, she did that dependency clinic. I did a clinic too with the state attorney's office and loved it, loved it. Or you might do and say, this is absolutely not what I wanna do. And that yeah. level of certainty can be really helpful in helping you make decisions. So now let's transition to the part where we're talking about diversity and inclusion, what we like to call our ideals. And of course my dog decides to start barking. <laughs> inclusion, diversity, equity, access, leadership, and service. And you two just wrote this um, great article for the Hillsborough County Bar Association Lawyer Magazine. So why don't you two tell me about it? I guess we'll start with Marisol. So, as I was saying earlier, I met people in law school and they became my mentors and I've continued to stay in contact with them. So to me, mentorship has always been kind of the, probably one of the most important things in this profession before entering it and then now that I'm in it. I think the best advice you can get from people is just generally people that have done this 
for, you know, many, many, many years and they can kind of guide you and answer your questions. Oftentimes that doesn't mean you need to be mentored by somebody at your firm. You can scope out other people and just in general, just take them out to lunch or just call them, email them, and they can also assist. Sometimes it also may be a little bit more comfortable for associates to seek out those mentors that are not necessarily practicing because I think it provides you the ability to be a little bit more open. And so Ben and I wrote an article about mentorship and its importance in the community. And so I take that, um, you know, I, I value that a lot. I have a lot of mentors, but I too mentor people because I think you can do both. And I would say what I've learned and what I really try to do is if I'm with a mentor and they introduce me to two, you know, two individuals in the community, I say, okay, well, they introduced me to those individuals for a reason. So I really try to go out of my way to maintain contact with those individuals. And I kind of build up my network that way. So those individuals, you know, introduce me to other individuals and, you know, so on and so forth. But so I would consider myself an introvert. So when I first started and went to all these events, I would find a table and a chair and just go sit in the back corner with no one around and just not talk to anyone. And as soon as the event was over, I would try to, you know, go to the elevator and leave. So now I feel a lot more comfortable. I'm in a lot of organizations and because I know everyone there, not everyone, but you know, a significant amount of people there, I feel a lot more comfortable now. And I think that's really important as an attorney to not feel that you're kind of alone in the profession because it can be stressful and just having that network to reach out to for support to me is really important. So I thought, well, Ben and I can really you know, since we both value mentorship, we can take the time to write about it and then have it published. And so we just got together, you know, I'm in Tampa, he's in West Palm Beach. So we just communicated over the phone. Nowadays, that's what everyone's doing. So that's fine. And we reached out to other people that we know. So his aunt, who is a US attorney and John Chafino also for some quotes, and then my CEO, Rich McIntyre, to just provide their opinion or their thoughts on it. So I would always encourage young lawyers, don't be afraid, reach out to someone. You know, I remember I took an adoption class in law school and I got cold calls for a particular case. And I ended up reaching out to the attorney who unbeknownst to me is in Tampa. And we had lunch the very next day. I drove, met her, and now she's one of my biggest advocates. So I always tell my mentees to do that. And even before entering law school, right? So you can shadow someone, you can shadow a judge, you can shadow an attorney. I feel like sometimes attorneys in this profession think that, you know, they cannot talk to judges or, you know, certain attorneys. And that's not true. Reach out to anyone and everyone because everyone is here to help you and to support you. So I find that to be you know, something that a lot of young lawyers need. And it doesn't matter how old you are. So I, you know, when I'm 40, 50, 60, whatever, hopefully make it 200, <laughs> I will still have mentors. And so I, again, try to reach out to younger individuals that I can help as well. Nice. So Ben, what was your experience with mentors? And talk about the process you used to co-write this article, because I co-wrote with Brielle Tucker who Marisol knows, and we talked about mentorship as well. And so, of course, we're going to share you guys' article with our audience. So I want to hear a little bit more about it, Ben. 
Sure, I'll just add that um, I think, um, yeah, I, I just wanted to add that I think it's super important mentoring. Um, it's very underrated. It's, it's not really talked about a lot. Um, and, and you really have to be a self-starter and a go-getter sometimes to, to find a mentor. Um, in my experience, the only person in my family who was a, an attorney is my aunt um, over there in Tampa, who we've mentioned a few times now. And she um, was someone I felt like I could ask and I could turn to and ask for advice um, with whatever it was, whether it was career advice or actual work related advice. Um, Gunster does a, a really good job of providing mentorship to the young people. Um, not necessarily even in your practice group, but just someone who's a senior, uh, a senior attorney, they usually, you know, they try and connect someone who's more senior to someone who's a little younger, and then you guys can uh, figure out ways to, to learn from each other. But even with that, even with a, a, a law firm that's pretty big that does facilitate mentorship, no one's really going to hold your hand. No one's going to no one's going to make it easy for you. And that, and this is another reason why I turn to someone like Marisol or some of my classmates who I graduated with and even younger folks that I went to law school with, I'll, I'll, I'll reach out, text, you know, call. Um, because I have, you know, I have a lot to learn from the people who are, you know, younger than me. And I, I'm always trying to learn from those people who are older than me. And whenever someone asks me for advice, I just feel, I feel grateful because that's sort of like a mentorship role. Um, and, uh, you know, I think I'll echo what Marisol said about getting involved in the community. Um, I'm over in Palm Beach County and it's, there's, it's very easy in, in Florida, especially in Palm Beach County to get involved in the local bar associations and local nonprofits. Um, I'm a volunteer at the Boys and Girls Club. So I like to mentor uh, middle school kids. Like it's kind of like what I did in New York. Um, and so if you if you're committed to it, there's a bajillion ways to to find a mentor, be a mentor. Um, and as far as diversity, I mean, I think that's sort of the whole the whole theme of, of, of what you're doing, Jocelyn. Um, I think diversity mean, can mean lots of different things. I think um, um, we don't want to pigeonhole what I think some people have limited views of what diversity means. Um, background, where you come from, what you look like, what you're interested in, you know, what your professional experience looks like. Um, and so if you're just starting out or, or even if you're, a, you know, an, an older attorney, you get involved in the community, you get involved in, in local bar association committees or um, whatever it is, local organizations, you'll find that you, you have much more in common with, with people who are different from you than you think. And um, I think a lot of young people coming out of law school need to need to do a good job of getting involved in the community, meeting people who are different than them. Um, even, you know, even politically, even someone who disagrees with you politically, I think it's really important to get out and talk to people who disagree with you. And um, we need to learn how to disagree peacefully and um, Yeah, you, like I said, you, you have a lot more in common with with the people who um, don't necessarily look like you than you think. And so I think, um, I think what you're doing with this, the podcast and the blog and, and everything you're doing is great. And so I wanna, I wanna try and help push that. Thank you, I appreciate it. And mentorship is a great way to do, to do that. One of the things we tell our students too is, you know, try to get mentors, like you said, who are different than you in some way 
so that you can connect with people on all levels and really find a commonality. Because it's important if you're a woman that you have male mentors and female. If you're one race, you have people from different backgrounds. If you're one religion, etc. Um, and I have friends who are different religions, races, gender identities, you know, sexual expression, all kinds of things. And I've learned so much about them. What I've learned the most is at the heart of everyone's existence, we're trying to be happy. <laughs> you know, we're trying to um, keep a roof over our heads, clothes on our backs, food on our stomachs loved ones close by, stay healthy, etc. And so if we can get past all the other noise, then we can accomplish a lot. So that is our hope with the program. Uh, guys, this has been absolutely wonderful. I really appreciated having both of you on this podcast and it went very smoothly. It's almost like we rehearsed it or something. So I can see why you two work so well together. So thank you again, Ben and Marisol for joining us on the Journey to Esquire, the podcast. For more information about our programs and this podcast, please visit www.journeytoesquire.com. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Marisol. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to another great episode of Journey to Esquire, the podcast. Support, share, subscribe. And for more, visit www.journeytoesquire.com.